Celebrate the summer at Cold Stone Creamery with our new confetti cupcake ice cream. It's the ice cream with the party mixed right in. Made with edible rainbow glitter and frosting, it'll make your summer extra sweet. Try it in our party like a cupcake creation. Confetti cupcake ice cream mixed with Kit Kat, rainbow sprinkles, yellow cake, and cake batter frosting. Taste the new confetti cupcake ice cream. Available for a limited time only at Cold Stone Creamery. Making fresh batches of ice cream in every store. Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, welcome back to Off the Rails Radio. It's been a long time. I had to take a little bit of a break just to deal out some personal issues and, and money issues and all the fun stuff, but I'm finally back. Um, how the hell are you guys? Uh, I've missed you guys just as much as you've missed me. Um, I do want to announce right ahead that um, Scott Diamond's inter- interview has been it has been laid to rest with total interview or total listens. I'm sorry. Together, I mean, he has the record for the most listened to live show, but he kind of got beaten by my first interview with Michael Sonsonarchy. He, uh, he, I guess after the season was in full swing and where you could search, you know, SOA, Sons of Anarchy. People just ended up sitting there right now, 200 and some odd total listens. Uh, this new account, obviously, uh, my other account went dormant for a little too long and they decided to pull the plug. So if you're a new listener out there, I'm going to out for you what all this fine podcast entails. You get wrestling, you get entertainment, you get Eventually, I'm going to do some politics. Uh, I beforehand, I didn't really want to do politics because you know they always say if you don't want to lose friends, two things you never discuss: religion and politics. While religion will probably never be discussed on the show, politics most definitely would, and uh, that'll be a later date. Uh, my former guests have included Bobby Blade, Felony Fox of the Wrestling World. Jared Sloan, Scott Diamond, who is not only a professional ranger, but also a Marine veteran. Um, I hope to have any great guests. Future Tonight is going to be the best show that I've ever done. I've usually tried to stick my shows at an hour. Uh, I was running with a lot of my guests, really, where I would you know, we can fill an hour, and it'd be great, easy. Well, we would... And we would, and I would to give them as much time as possible. I, would, I wouldn't like a blog or anything. I would just go straight to the interview, and uh, we would run out of time before we would, you know, kind of get into the meat, meat and potatoes. And I'm going to look to uh, have some 
of my old guests on for part two. I did have a part two with Felony Fox, which was the UWF Hall of Fame, which I was at and I attended. And um, I've had Eddie Allen from UWF in Indiana on the show talking about the challenges of the challenges of putting together a wrestling TV show and what all you have to do. And, and it was one of those I did very little talking because I was I was interested. It was something as much as I've watched wrestling, I've never really knew how to do or never really listened to anybody exp- really explain it. And it was quite an interesting. I will be posting. I will be rebroadcasting all of my original. Um, original podcasts from my other page from the off the rails radio page and disaster peace theater page um and i will hope to get them out to you sometime this week maybe you can take a listen um i want i'm going to do something on facebook on my personal as well as my page uh, which is facebook.com slash off the rails radio i want i want you to vote on the guests and it and i'm going to let it go Week and whoever votes, I'm going to try and go out and get that guest. I guarantee that I'll be able to get that guest for you. But I'm, you know, as my commitment to you, I'm going to do my damnedest to get everything you got and enjoy it. All right, so all you crazy bastards out there, let's get into the meat and potatoes of the thing. We're going to discuss. We'll take a break. We'll play play you some music, and then I'm going to bring my brother online. On the phone, live from Ohio, we're going to talk about the last season of Sons of Anarchy, plus his mild obsession with Batman, which I can't say much. You know, as much as he, he, he loves collecting his Batman stuff, I collect my wrestling stuff. So uh, we're going to talk about some of the fun the fun instances of him trying to buy these collectibles. And he, I mean, these ain't no, like, dollar Dollar collectibles you can find at a flea market. I mean, he's got some big ticket items that I, when I seen them over the holidays, I was impressed. And um, then after we're, after he's done, I'm going we're going to take another short little five minute break, and we're going to I'm going to talk about the Royal Rumble coming up and the WrestleMania, my predictions, and I want to talk a little bit about how pretty much with the roster that they have right now how the WWE is kind of in a no-win situation when it comes to the modern the modern smart fan. And it's an interesting take, and we'll see where it goes. And then I'll take one final break, and then I'm going to open up the phone lines to all of you to call me, and you can ask me anything from wrestling, entertainment, movies, TV shows, don't care. Uh, you can ask me anything, and uh, we'll go from there. All right. Last Saturday night was UFC 182. It was the main event was the long-awaited fight between light heavyweight champion John Bones Jones and Daniel Cormier. Um, honestly, it, I've always been a fan of the UFC. Uh, I have about the first 40 events on on DVD, um, and this one was the first one I'd ever ordered live on pay per view. And I didn't watch none of the preliminaries, which after reading the results, the preliminaries was God. They had a bunch of bunch of knockouts and well, about three, two knockouts, one technical knockout. Uh, Marion, and I'm probably going to pronounce these names wrong. Marion Renault defeated Alexis 
Dufresne on the UFC Fight, Fight Pass, which is kind of what for UFC what the WWE Network is for WWE, except you can't get it on like a TV. TV, it's got to be on tablet or laptop, which I think sucks. And kind of the reason why I didn't keep it was because you know while I do like watching it, I'm not going to go to the tablet or which I don't have anymore or laptop or my phone just to watch it. I want to watch it on my TV. Um, then Amari, he they won't hit. First off, at catch weight, 138 pounds, Marion Renault defeated Alexis Dufresne by decision, 30, 29, 26, 30, 26, 30, 25. Then at welterweight, Amari Akhmedov defeated Mats Nilsson by decision, 29-28, That was the fight pass preliminary card. I, again, I'm just reading you off the results. I didn't watch the fight, the, any of the preliminaries. In the lightweight division, Evan Durham defeated Rodrigo Dam by decision, 30-27, 30-27, Then is when it starts getting good, at least for the rest of the preliminaries. In the heavyweight division, Sean Jordan defeated Jared Conier, which was Jared Conier's very first UFC fight, defeated him with punches, knockout. In the first round, at 2 minutes, 57 seconds. Then at bantamweight, Cody Garbrandt defeated Marcus Brimage by TKO punches in the third round with only 10 seconds left. I probably would have loved to see that. That would have been pretty cool. Um, lightweight, Paul Felder defeated Danny Castillo with a spinning back fist knockout. Second round, 2 minutes, 9 seconds in. And then... We go to the main card, which I got to watch, and there wasn't any knockouts or submissions, and at first I was kind of bummed about that, but then I went back and watched the fights again, and I was just like, man, these were some knockdown dragouts. The first fight was Hector Lombard versus Josh Berkman, which apparently was Josh Berkman's first fight in a few years with the UFC. Um, Lombard was the heavy favorite. Lombard defeated Berkman by decision. 30-27, One thing I, that sticks out in my mind about this fight was Hector Lombard just punished, punished Berkman's legs. I mean, he 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 had a big, and Berkman was like you know Seamus, almost Seamus White, and Berkman you could just see the big red welts just raising all over his legs, and it was pretty good. Uh, like I said, Hector Lombard won by decision. Uh, the next was a flyweight, which I had honestly never seen before. I've never seen a flyweight fight. It was Koji Hiraguchi versus Louis Goodnaught. Corey Haraguchi won by decision, 29-28-30-27-30-27. And the one thing that sticks out, one was the green hair of, of Goodnaught, and the other was how fast they move. My God, they were fast. You, it's like you couldn't, your eyes couldn't follow them. To me, that was that was just how fast uh, they moved, and I was just blown away. Uh, after I think after this fight, or the, maybe the fight before, they had a video package for Conor McGregor, who uh, 
who to me, he's kind of up there with John Jones as kind of the ultimate heel in UFC, which is one of the things I kind of think they need, even though a lot of old-time MMA guys are like, it should just be just two guys going in there, slugging it out, and or winning and whatever, and beating them. You know, none of this personality shit. And I'm not, and I don't, and I'm, I totally disagree. I think you need the personality to draw the people in, and uh, and to me, the one that really brought that in was Brock Lesnar. <laughs> you know, he he took he took Frank Mir's horseshoe and shoved it up his ass. Um, I kind of remember that, and to me, that was, I mean. That's how Connor and John is. But back to the card: Brad Tarvis versus Nate Marquardt. Nate Marquardt, longtime UFC fighter, uh, lost to Brad Tarvis in the middleweight division, thirty twenty-seven all the all across the board. Um, good fight. It was one of those. It was another. Uh, he got his knees punished really bad. Then we move on to the lightweight: Donald Sirion, the Cowboy Sirion. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Or Corone versus Miles Fury Jury. Um, didn't know much really about neither one of these guys coming in. I just watched kind of a lot of the um, the hype up for it. And it's one of those deals that where I wanted Fury to win just because he was undefeated, and it was interesting and. It turned out to be the other way around. Uh, second round, Kirion got Fury on, on his back, and I thought he was going to choke him out, to be honest with you. It came close there for a few times, but somehow I think, memory serves me correctly, Fury got out of it. I keep calling him Fury, even though his real name's Jury, last name's Jury. And... And... Uh, I'm sorry. Had, I've got a real bad hiccups. Um, and he didn't. And it, then the big story came at the end of the third round. Jury was on the ground. And to preface this, what I tell you, before the fight, um, Jury knocked out Diego Sanchez, I, I'm rather convincingly. And Jury ran his mouth. That this fight was so easy. I can't believe how easy it was to beat him. Well, the cowboy kind of took a little bit of offense to that, and at the end he kind of got his payback, his receipt for Sanchez, and uh, just started waylaying the shit out of his legs. I'm like, he's laying down, he just starts, he like he's trying to fucking kick him through the uprights. And oh, by the way, this is my show. I can cuss on it if I want to. If this offends you, I suggest you turn it off. Um, there's there shouldn't be any kids listening to this show, so there you are. Um, and it turned out, you know, decision. The one went to Cowboy because pretty much Cowboy just kind of do- dominated in the entire match. And then we move on to the main event, the match that was almost a year in the making. It was John Jones defending his light heavyweight championship against Daniel Cormier. And, uh, I was, I'm a John Jones fan, but for some reason I was wanting Cormier to win the belt, just because you know, he's undefeated, and I thought it was time for John Jones to lose the belt, and 
the first round saw Daniel Cormier getting slammed for the first time ever by his opponent. And it happened in the very first round, within the very first few minutes of the first round. Good fight. And second round, in my opinion, I thought that Cormier was going to knock him out because he was landing some heavy shots, some of them uppercuts. And you could see John Jones' head just banging and banging. And the first round went to Jones. In my opinion, the second second and third round went to Cormier, and then Jones kind of battled back in the fourth round, which, you know, I'm sitting there thinking this fifth round's going to be badass, you know, because it's, you know, they both want to finish each other with all the heat that's been brought into this fight over the, you know, the, the press conference that got destroyed to them running their mouths on TV. You know, it was one of those somebody has to get knocked out. And it didn't happen. They started the fifth round and pretty much Jones kind of became the aggressor, slammed him a couple times, and then sat on him. Didn't try to fight him. He just, in my opinion, he sat on him. Tied him up and there was nothing that Cormier could do because, you know, Jones had a height, almost a foot height advantage, I want to say, uh, maybe maybe six inches. And, and it, to me, it just took uh, this badass fight that we watched for the first four rounds, it took all the all the muster out of it. And you're just like, really? And then, of course, Cormier slammed John Jones at the end of it, but it didn't save him. Um, they were saying, you know, how it was a big moral victory and all that stuff, and uh, Jones wins at 49-46, 49-46, 49-46, and Jones retained. At the press conference afterwards, you know, he um, he kind of run his mouth on him a little more and everything. And to me, I'm almost like I was telling a buddy of mine that I work with, like, how can you not? How can you not? have a rematch. They want, people want to see this fight. People want to see this fight. They want to see it happen. And if you're hearing dialing right now, it's because I'm getting... Hello? It's because we're getting ready for another match. You gotta, we gotta have another fight. And uh, after the fight, John Jones tested positive for cocaine, which literally I'm getting ready to do this show tonight. And I, I'm looking on Facebook and then I seen it, you know, and I, and I went to read and, you know, I was under the impression that, okay, he tested negative for, or tested positive for steroids, not steroids, but cocaine. I'm like, how can they not stri- call that fight a non-contest and strip him of the belt? But they surprisingly did it, even though he's going into a rehab. But, you know, there's more will come out of that, hopefully, because in my opinion, I'm a John Jones fan, but if he tested positive for drugs after the fight, they need to strip him of his belt, and they need to declare the fight a non-contest and be done with it, and then he can earn it back later. That's just my opinion. All right, before we take our first break, I want to go ahead and say the UFC fight night, McGregor versus Siver with Conor McGregor, who's from Ireland, and he, like I said earlier, he is a number one heel, and 
you know, he's he's kind of like he's kind of like John Jones, and he runs his mouth a lot. And how can you not get behind that? Um, Cowboy Donald Cerrone will be fighting again just after fighting last Saturday against Benson Henderson. You got Hariah Hall versus Lewis Tabor in the middleweight division. Lightweight Norman Park versus Gleason TBO. And then there's about seven preliminaries, which I'm not going to get into. All right, I'm going to go ahead and take a, take us a break, uh, play some music so you can catch your breath, and then I will be right back with my special guest, multiple-time special guest, Michael Wing. Build the head 
that was Screwdriver by Jackal, and coincidentally, Jackal, I've kind, I've kind of been listening to him here and there. Uh, my next, my guest is the one that got me into him, kind of after I, after I obtained the, all the discography for him. And when I was in Ohio, I got to listen to a few of their songs on the way to a, a DVD store, and I was like, oh, I kind of dig this. <laughs> Who are they? Oh, it's Jackal. Wow. <laughs> but uh, anyway. I'm going to go ahead and bring him on. How you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Enjoying the nice four inches of snow we got up here in Ohio. Yeah, we didn't get none of it. <laughs> of course not. You guys don't get nothing. <laughs> <laughs> we got the cold, but we didn't get none of the snow. It's, I think I think last I looked, it's sitting at about 10 degrees outside. And it's supposed yeah. to be even colder tomorrow. Yeah, it started around 9 o'clock last night, and then by 1 o'clock, it was covered. And then by 5 o'clock, we were already four inches deep. Mm. Wow. Um, yeah. So we're about a month removed from the final season of Sons of Anarchy, and uh, we was originally going to do a podcast kind of in the middle of the season, then at the end of the season, but I I was taking a break from, from podcasting, and never got around to it, and then I started up, and I was like, well, what should my first episode be? And I was like, well, we need to cover that Suns like we was originally going to. And then, of course, I latched on to another topic that kind of I got inspiration when I was at your house for Christmas was Batman, your love for Batman. Of course, I had the same love, and the collectibles that you've gained. Um, we're, going to t- we're going to hit on Suns first. Why did you think of the season as a whole? It was very good. I was, <clears throat> me personally, I was satisfied with the ending. I know a lot of people didn't care for it because you know they get, they grow into attachment to Jax and they want him to live, but they don't think about that kind of world that they're portraying. They don't live. It's just mm-hmm. like with Opie. Those people don't have a long life. Very rarely do they have a long lifespan. And it was you know, <clears throat> it was kind of poetic the way he went out, just like his dad did. Mhm. Very. And uh, I was pretty like you. I was pretty much satisfied for the entire season. Uh, I thought they kept Juice around a little too long because it was kind of getting, you know, how many times can we rape Juice in an episode? <laughs> yeah, it was getting a little redundant. Yeah. And but other than that, I was I liked it a lot. Uh, uh, I was sad with when Bobby died and. It was one of those, you know, I don't, I mean, I get into shows, but I don't get like, oh my God, you know, somebody died. But it was one of those when, when Bobby died, I kind of just went, oh, I lost my breath. Just because he, yeah, know, like, I thought he, I thought he was even more the moral center of that club, even more than Opie. Opie was the conscience. Well, yeah, because Bobby was the conscience of the club. Opie was the conscience of Jax. True. That's, that's the way I saw it. Opie, you know, he led Jax. Bobby led the club, mostly, kind of. Yeah, well, and then, and then in season five, he tried to lead Jax, and it didn't really work out too well for him. Yeah, because he wasn't Opie. I mean, mm-hmm. Opie only really had that key, you know, into his head that no one else really had. Mm-hmm. Which I'm, I'm, I've been rewatching the the entire show and I'm I just finished the first episode of season five last night so you know as well as I know what I'm getting ready for. Uh yep. Open land pipes. 
and yep. you can just see the mental breakdown. I mean, it's one of those I catch something different every time I watch it, and you can just see Opie, you know, going down into that descent, and then once he once Piney dies, he just he he rock bottoms and hard too. Yeah, because everything he loves has pretty much been killed by the club. Mm-hmm. Not really by the club, but by one guy, if you look at it. I mean, yeah, Tick well, yeah. pulled the trigger, but Tick pulled the trigger on Donna, but it was Clay giving the order. But if he wasn't in the club, none of yeah, that none would happen. Yeah, none of that would happen. Yeah. That's what Kurtz always said. The club, you know, it's pretty much he loves the club, and the thing that he loves the most, you know, killed his family. Now, there was a interesting conspiracy theory that me and you had. Um, I can't remember which one of us come up with it first, but it was one of those all signs point to that, and then once you find out, it's like, well, damn, that didn't work. Uh, do you want to elaborate on what the what the conspiracy theory was? The TIG thing? Yes. I, I hatched that one first. Uh of course, everyone, if you watch the series, you know that Pope killed Tig's daughter out of retaliation for Tig mowing down his daughter at the end of season four. And <clears throat> Jax was supposed to give up Tig to Pope. Well, they end up killing Pope at the end of season four. I mean, season five. And season six, Jax is supposed to give Tig to August Marks. And at the end of season six, is it end of season six or beginning of season seven? Where uh, I think it's seven. It's the beginning of season seven where he actually sets up the meet. No, that's season six. At the at the end of season six? No, it's like at the beginning of season six, like the first few episodes. I can't remember because I, I, it's been a while since I've watched. I, I didn't rewatch season six right before season seven like I usually do. And Jax sets up to me to give up Tig to Marks. Well, if they walk in, you never see what happens. And mm-hmm. then, you know, Tig, and Tig's just free, and, and you're sitting there thinking, what the fuck? Because he, you know, he was technically supposed to get killed. Yeah. And Jax, Jax was stunned on when Tig showed up. And the whole time through season seven, everything pointed to Tig helping Marks. Because everyone's like, well, why would Tig help the guy who, you know, his boss killed his daughter? Because he had another daughter to threaten. That 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 was the conspiracy I came up with because it mm-hmm. fit. And it was someone that was connected to the club that was helping them and the Chinese to get their guns back. And then at the end, you find out it wasn't Tig. And I'm like, what? <laughs> because the whole season it just fits so perfect. And, that, and Kurt is so great at that. You think you know what's going to happen? And he completely turns it around. He did it on the shield, and he did it on here. Because yeah. if you watch the shield, the shield is a, it's a tie-in series. And a lot of people don't know that. The shield came first and then Suns, because a lot of the gangs are from – Sons of Anarchy's not, but the One Niners, the Bizlats. I mean, he did the same There's thing. A... You think you, know, you think you know something's going to happen, and he turns it on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it, it's like um, 
when we was talking about that, I was like, I knew it was either one of two people. I thought it was. I didn't know. I thought it was either Jerry from Indian Hills, because like, kind of like you know, Tech, he had he had a reason to kill, to kill Jax, and then I thought it was either Tig, and I, it was neither. And I was just like, well, crap, because <laughs> you kind of you, you build yourself up to expect that you build yourself up to think that Tig is the rat. And then you accept that Tig is the rat, and then you find out Tig wasn't the rat. So you kind of feel bad. <laughs> yeah, because because what he did at the end of season one, you know, you kind of don't, you know, you, you can see him crossing that line because he has no pro. He in the past he's never had a problem crossing lines. Mm-hmm. So I kind of yep. I kind of saw it come from him, and then Jerry, you know, they they played it all the way until Jax shoots Jerry that it was pretty much Jerry. Mm-hmm. All the previews and, were showing that, kind of showing that. Yeah, and that was the character I was glad they brought back, even though they killed him off, because um, he was from the episode Patchover in season one. He was one of the two season one characters that I wanted to see come back for, even if it was just for one episode. I wanted to see him come back. One was him, and the other one was Kyle Hobart, the one, the guy that they they burned the tattoo off of. And you know, because you know, you kind of want to see. You know, I thought he hey, he would be a perfect season long villain, kind of like what Zobel and the League was. Dude, of course, you know he's on a, he's on a comedy sitcom on Fox. <laughs> yeah, I he, was watching. He, he, he. Go ahead. Uh, I, I had nothing to say. Because I remember, I remember seeing him on a, a movie called Man of the House with Tommy Lee Jones, and I was like, I know that guy from somewhere. And I got to thinking and got to thinking, oh, that's Kyle Hobart from Sons. And I just thought that that was a, a, some more story. But, of course, I'd say once they killed off Opie, there was really no reason to bring him back. Um, and oh, and um, what did you think about Unser getting killed? I didn't want it to happen. Mm-hmm. For the reasons, you know, <clears throat> if you watched all the behind-the-scenes stuff and every little interview they've always done, they've always joked with he is the longest-running stage four cancer survivor <laughs> on an outlaw, you know, an outlaw-based kind of show that he's always they, – they would always joke that he wouldn't get killed by the cancer even though he's in stage four. You know what's also kind of ironic? They, he never showed any symptoms, really, with the exception of – being in the hospital a couple times, but it was really more to talk to Tara in season six than it was to actually, you know, get treated for anything. Yeah, he coughed up blood a couple times, I think, like season four after she got hurt. Wow. Uh, or season five. Yeah, it was season five, but that's when a, uh, Clay came out and he found out he was going to, you know, he was going to be okay and he was faking it still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of. Speaking of Clay, um, did you miss him in season seven? Well, yeah, I liked him. Mm-hmm. I did too. You know, when they killed him off, I was like, "Yeah, something happened to happen." You know, and you knew. It. But it was season season seven, I was just like, "Man, I miss Clay." <laughs> but it's one of them, you know. I mean, that lifestyle. You know, they they can't hang around. Definitely after the things he's done. Mm-hmm. And Jack's probably, you know, he probably had 
an urgency to you know ever since he took the presidency he's he's wanted to kill him mm-hmm. killing his dad yep and for nearly and for trying to kill Thera. And Ron Perlman, he did an interview saying that he wasn't satisfied the way Clay was killed. He should have, he felt that he should have stayed longer. Of course, you know, everybody always has a, you know, even fans, they always, well, you should have killed Opie. You shouldn't. Everybody has their, you know, idea of what should happen, but Mm -hmm. it's Kurt's show. I mean, you know, he made the mythology. He had a storyline, because everyone was always crying, they should go on for more seasons and he wanted to tell a story in seven seasons, and that's why I kept trying to tell everybody around me is like he's not going for more seasons unless it helps the story along. That's the only way he's going to do it, and he is pretty certain it's seven and done. Oh, and now all these conspiracies about a movie, and people just don't want to mm-hmm. accept that it's like, like even if they do a, a spinoff, it's going to be years down the line. It ain't going to be anytime soon. Yeah, it's it's either it's. The only way I could see it being anytime soon, and anytime soon is, is still two, three years, is if the Bastard Executioner, which is the show that he's doing that is replacing Sons, doesn't pick up the way Sons did. That's the only way I could see it even remotely happening. And if it picks up, ladies and gentlemen, guess what? You're going to be waiting another seven seven years. Maybe, well, technically eight. But... um and even then, it's he said it's not going to be a, a series. It's going to be a one-off mini-series. It's going to last one year. And I read an interview today that it's not even going to end with Clay killing JT. It's just going to be about the formation of the club. And because yeah, he say he doesn't want to hurt the mythology of what he's already created. Mm-hmm. And he's got a game getting ready to come out, which I'm kind of bummed that it's not going to be a console game. It's going to be a high-end tablet game. Um, And there's the book, which I've read the first couple chapters of the book, and it's something you might want to check out too. It's really good because, you know, you get to see what they're thinking and all that. And, of course, he approved it all, so it's a part of the actual canon. It takes place somewhere, from what I gather, it takes place somewhere in the first couple episodes of Season 4. Because they've already killed the Russians, but yet they ha- and they just and they had just started the muling. So I don't really know where that picks off picks up at, but because I haven't read the whole book, because I've, I've got it on my phone, so you know I got to read really really small letters. <laughs> when I went to go see, uh, when I went to go get my Batman, the latest Batman thing I got. <clears throat> they had the comic book there mm-hmm. for twenty bucks. I, I was almost about to buy it. I I'll figure I'll, I'll probably go back next week, make it paid, and go get it. All right, um, I'm gonna ask one more, que- one more, maybe two more questions about Sons, then we're gonna jump to our next subject. So, wh- who was the character you was the most happiest out of the entire show to see die? What What do you mean, like to see, like, the, like from the, season one? Yeah, it don't matter. Any 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 death possible from Jack's killing himself to them killing a random Mayan. It doesn't matter. I was happy when Galen died. I hate, I I mean I like the character, the actor. I like the actor because he's on a lot of the shows I watch. But his I just I was so happy when he died because you know 
he was so vengeful on destroying the Suns if Clay wasn't there. And then, you know, I thought for sure in season six, you know, when they blew up the club, and, you know, and Jack said, I did not want a war. This is not what I wanted. And, you know, and he proved that, you know, Galen lied, and, and, you know, they cut to the rest of the Kings, and, like, it's like one of those oh shit moments, and nothing ever happens from the Kings. And it's like, Mm -hmm. you know he's not about the cause. He's about his own personal vendettas. You should have killed him or outed Mm -hmm. him or whatever. I was so happy happy when, you know, when Jax pulled the gun and ba-bam. Yeah, because that was one of those. I was like, oh, fuck. I I didn't expect that. (laughs) Yeah, because they killed killed him, his men, and Clay all, all in a matter of five minutes. Yeah, because no, what I thought no. when I what I thought was going to happen was that they was going to shake hands, blah blah blah. Clay was going to leave for the rest of season six, and then pop back up in somewhere in season seven. That's what I originally thought was going to happen when they was getting ready to go into that episode where they busted them out of prison. But of course, like you said, perfect Kurt Sutter. You think one thing's going to happen, something else completely happens. And yeah, that's what I was telling Mikey. I was like, they went through all that trouble to bust him out just to kill him. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, Bobby Bobby caught a, another bullet. <laughs> yeah, endless amounts of bullets for him. Yeah, he. I think he caught one in season seven, season one, season two, uh, season four. No, no, season three. He caught one in in, in Ireland, but it was just kind of like a nick. Then he caught that one in season six, and then he caught, caught the fatal one in season seven. Right in the head. Yeah, he got his fingers cut off and his jaw broken. Now, besides Opie, because I know that's probably your go-to answer, and all the deaths in between one and seven, who was the one that you was least happy to see? Opie, don't well, count. <laughs> that's the easy least, answer. Who? The, the the least. Yes. I I didn't like seeing the father die. Season three. Piney? Oh no, the father, the the priest. Oh, the priest, the priest. I, you know, I, I understood his position. Yeah, on why he was doing the things he was doing, even though they were hard. You know, he made a promise to, to John, and he was fulfilling the promise. And you know, I don't know. I didn't like. I mean, they didn't show him getting killed off. I mean, you knew he got killed off. They actually left it in the air till season six that if he had died or not, because they didn't yeah. say nothing after that. And then all of a sudden, Galen says, "You know, because of him, a father, uh, uh, the guy that was like my dad, a, a man of the, a man of Christ, died." And I was just like, "Oh well, that must mean Jimmy O must have really killed him." Yeah, that was the only one I, you know, I, I actually liked him because at, at first I was weary, you know, but as, as the season progressed. I liked him. Uh, besides Obi, it was probably him. Mm-hmm. And um, okay, so which which character do you wish they would have fleshed and done more with? Done more with. Wasn't there for a very long time, but yet you wish they had done a little bit more with them. Uh, the one character. Well, he was a villain. I would have mm-hmm. liked them to bring back uh, Zobel. I Zobel? felt that 
Yeah, I felt that he just got off too easy for everything he did. That mm-hmm. oh, he just got he, he he just gets to fly off. You know, they, they they wiped out Weston and all you know and everybody. It's just but he just gets you know and they had him dead to rights. Yeah, in that store. Tig Tig should have stayed there and killed him. They got everybody out of the store, but they all just leave. I mean, I understand why. I mean, kidnapping. Yeah. But you know, not all of them is gonna help. Chasing down the kid, you know. I don't know. I think you know. I mean, hell, he had Jim a gang rape. You know. I mean, mine would have had to been Torque. They built him up so big in season five, at the end of season five, and then it was just kind of like a fart in church on how he went out. (laughs) Well, you can think the Vikings. Vikings, yeah. I don't know if Gotham played a, a role in that because it's nah. just now, but you know, he you know, he already had pre you know he was no. already on another show. Gotham is the reason that they killed him off in Vikings. <laughs> <sighs> but Donald Logue's a hell of an actor. All right, we yeah, see, I, lo- about- I love every I love everything that he's in. There's not one <laughs> thing I've watched him in I didn't like. I even like Ghost Rider, even though it's the most hated. Comic book movie ever made. I didn't like it. I, I, I actually liked the first one. Uh, the first one was better than the second one, but I still didn't like the first one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As much as I like uh, Christopher Lambert, I didn't care for the second one at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we were speaking of Gotham. Now we're going to go head on because we got about gee, about fifteen or so minutes before you got to head out because you got stuff you got to do. Um, we're going to go ahead and discuss Batman. What was the you have a massive collection, and me and you tallied it up, and it was hundreds of dollars. We're not going to give them the exact number, but uh, it was it's big. It's bigger than I thought it was when you first told me about it. Um, what would what was the first piece you ever bought that started your collection? The nineteen sixty six Batmobile. How much did that run? Seventy five dollars. Mm, is that the most expensive piece you've ever bought? Uh no. <clears throat> my nineteen forty my nineteen forties roadster, the original Batmobile. That was eighty five dollars. <laughs> That's the most expensive thing I got right now. That I well that I, I paid for, but I've looked them up. Everything I buy that's expensive, I look it up. Everything I've been buying is worth over a hundred dollars. Like I got a bat cycle. Those things are going for the 1966 Robin bat cycle. Those are going for $150 on Amazon. Yeah, that's so, that's I mean, pretty pretty a pretty penny to pay. So what made you want to? I mean, you've always liked Batman since we were kids, and Dad got us into it, and the bat first Batman movie. What got you into collecting the collectibles? Well, I was with my ex-girlfriend <laughs> around this time last year, and we decided we were going to go to the flea market. And I saw that 66, and I didn't really have the money for it because I had groceries I still had to buy. And I'm like, man, that, that, that car is just – I mean, because it's the complete – it's the Hot Wheels you know, replica completely. And I'm like, man – so I talked myself into buying it, and like I, I, I've been getting all the the Batman, you know, the DVD anytime I see, because I even like the cartoons that I grew up on. 
Mm-hmm. People can, you know, make fun of a grown man. Well, I said, I don't care. It's my childhood. I like to remember I it. Said, I like cartoons, but I don't like the new cartoons. Oh, no, I hate the newer cartoons. I won't buy anything that's newer. Ninja Turtles, I hate the new way the new Ninja Turtles look. Uh, I don't even know if they have any new Batman cartoons, but, yeah, anything new, I I think, sucks. Um, What would have to be, out of all the movies, your your favorite movie? You know, uh, The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight. That's mine too. I'm the not Dark love, No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not one of them. Oh, I hate George Clooney and Val Kilmer's. You know, for I understand why they went into that direction. It was because corporate America made mm-hmm. pretty much pushed them to that. Because if you read what Tim Burton said about Batman Returns. McDonald's was very pissed that the penguin was spitting out black stuff, that they couldn't market that. <laughs> and Bob Kane didn't want to go back to you know the 1966 TV show. He hated that. I mean, he was happy at the time that you know it was yeah. getting made, but he didn't like how corny it was and how comic you know it was it was comedy and because he always saw Batman as a darker character. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, the king, you know, the Superman. Superman is, you know, Mr. Dudley Do-Right and never does anything wrong. And Batman, he always toes the line. He will make the hard decision. He will sacrifice something to, to save everybody. Superman won't. And, you know, they, they kind of bowed to corporate America and made the, you know, the, the lighter movies, which mm-hmm. everybody hates. I mean, I like them. I, I, I look at them for what they are. I didn't think Batman Forever was. I mean, Jim Carrey brought a lot, brought a lot of comedy to that movie, and the majority, ninety nine percent of the comedy, is just Jim Carrey being Jim Carrey playing the Riddler. But I thought that one was an equal, almost the dark of a, as a, of a movie, with with the, with Robin and Bat, and Val Kilmer's Batman going through all the you know the, the the mind fuck he went through. I thought it was just as dark as as Batman Returns. Yeah, because originally the third one, it was originally supposed to be an origin movie, and <clears throat> Tim Burton didn't want to do one, and Michael Keaton. That's why they all they they switched you know everybody out, and we got a whole different set of movies. Because mm-hmm. remember how I was showing you my the Batman's I got the ones in the tin case. Mm-hmm. It, it, those all come with a five part documentary. That's all one documentary. And they explained that. that originally the third one was supposed to be an origin movie with Michael Keaton, but they didn't want to do it. <clears throat> Tim Burton, they weren't interested in doing that. And so that's when they they did pretty well in covering the or I don't because I can't understand why they would want to do an origin movie because they pretty much did that with the first Batman. They told the origin. Of course, they fucked it up by having the Joker kill his parents, but. Because I I was not a fan of that. To me, it, it, it was always Joe Chill, and uh, that that killed his parents. Because of course, in the original movie, they also leave out the the mob families. Well, they replaced them with a different family, I think. Because I don't think Jack Palance played either Maroney or Carmine. 
I can't remember the name. It's been a, it's been well since I was last at your house. This was the last time I seen the first Batman. But I was never a fan of the the Joker being the one that killed the parents. And of course, you know that uh, that uttered you know one of the most famous catchphrases from Batman: "Dance with the devil in the pale in the pale moonlight." Uh, as far as the Clooney movie went, I can see how corny it is, and a lot of the tongue-in-cheek dialogue, like you know Arnold saying, "You know, take two, call me in the morning," uh, you know, and all the freeze puns. But that's how Freeze was in the in the comics too. He was very punny with the, with anything temperature related. Do I hate the movie? No. Is it? Am I gonna? If I've got to watch a Batman movie, am I gonna watch that one? Probably not. I watch it more or less because I remember mom taking us to go see it. Because mm-hmm. remember when we go to McDonald's, it's corporate America, <laughs> and we would get, get the remember the glass, the cups. Yeah. The, yeah, that was Batman Forever because mom mom had them because I remember the Riddler glass, and for the longest well, time she wouldn't let us drink out of them. I, I know they did. I mean, they they had. I think I'm pretty sure they had cups for both. But I, I said that's what I remember of those movies is mom taking us to go see them and Danbury, and Milltown, and we would have those. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a, a few movies I remember mom taking us to see. I don't think she took us. They, mom or dad took us to see Batman Forever. I think we, I think uh, that was when we was living with dad, and the, that place where sausage, Saucy Jack's Pizza is at now. I can't remember what they used to call it, the video store, but I think we rented it there. But uh, I couldn't either. It's been God, no twenty some twenty twenty years since the movie came out. Yeah, I'll, Ninety-five, so I was eleven, and you'd been six. Happy birthday's next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, happy birthday to you, old man. Mm. I already bought me an early birthday present. What'd you get? I bought the uh, seventy-five year anniversary because this year is the seventy-five year anniversary of Batman. Yeah, they came out with a collector doll set that has four generations of Batman. It has the Batman, the first appearance, the one Bob Kane drew, which looks, I mean, it looks horrible, but, you know, mm-hmm. back in the 40s. It is what it is. Yeah, then they had the new Frontier Batman, then Batman Hush, and then I was surprised they did it. It has the Arkham Origin Batman. Huh. And it... And I got that for seventy five bucks. They come in ten in ten cans. They're about eight inches tall. <clears throat> and that was my birthday gift to myself. All right. One last subject before we let you go. Uh speaking of the Arkham Origins, you've played like me, you've played the first three video games that they've come out with, correct? Yep. Big what do you think about those games as a, as opposed to the as related to the Batman's overall store? Do you think it fits it well? Yes, because they go into a darker storyline. You know, they're not, they're nothing like the Batman that we know. Mm-hmm. They, you know, the Joker is more sinister and more, he's not a normal looking human. <laughs> no. He's messed up. You know, they put, they put Harley in there. Mm-hmm. Harley Quinn. I, I like them. I'm very satisfied with them. 
and I, I'm trying like hell to get a PS4 before Arkham Knight comes out. Yeah. Because it pisses me off that they're not going to put it on PS3. Well, I, I watched some of the gameplay from it, and I can the, the the amount of detail that they spent on that game, I can see honestly why they didn't they they decided not to use last gen. I mean, I totally get it. I mean, it would have been cheaper for for, for last gen to buy it, where everything now is cheaper for the three. But my God, the Ace Chemicals infiltration thing. Whew. <laughs> well, shit, it's only took three years to make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, exactly. see, a lot of people were unhappy with Arkham Origins because it's like, oh, it's just Arkham City with a a little bit of a bigger map, and true. But what that what those people didn't realize was if they didn't make a game right then and there, that they was going to lose the franchise, and they and Arkham Knight wouldn't have been able to be made because w- due to the contract, they had to make a game every so often, and you know, two thousand nine was. 2009 was Arkham Asylum, 2011 was Arkham City, which is my favorite of the three so far that's been released, and 2013 was was Arkham Origins. Arkham Origins was originally supposed to be Arkham Knight, but they didn't. They wanted to wait for the the next gen, but. DC said pretty much you got to make something now or we're canceling your contract. A different studio make the game, but with all the Arkham City kind of the skeleton of, of that game, because you know you get to see all of Arkham City before it was devastated by the earthquake. Plus, you get to see another part of of Gotham City, which I I liked. I didn't care for the fast travel in Arkham Origins, but I thought as for, I I liked. Arkham Origins better than Arkham Asylum, which Arkham Asylum really wasn't an open world game. You kind of was stuck and you couldn't really explore all that much. But I think Arkham Knight is going to be badass. But at the same time, I've discussed this with a friend of mine. I'm hoping, as much as I like the Joker, if he, they kill him, that he needs to stay dead. <laughs> and yeah, because. He, uh... Yeah, you know, it's time to bring a new character, you know, a new villain, mm-hmm. a new urban, a different one. But it had a scarecrow in it. But well, we were thinking that that the Ark- that the actual Arkham Knight character was going to be Sca- Joker, and I was like, if it is, color me disappointed, because I want to see somebody new. <laughs> I mean, it'll I be badass. Know. It'll be badass even if he is, but I want to see something else. Could be Robin. You never know. Yeah, well, well, Robin. Or not? No, Robin is actually in Arkham City, um, which you don't have the Game of the Year edition, but I do. It's a, a special, and it took me about an hour, an hour and a half to beat it. It's a, it's a, it's an extra side story that takes place a couple weeks after Arkham City takes place, where somehow Ar- Batman has been captured by Harley Quinn. She's gone crazy due to Joker getting killed, and you're you actually play as Robin to rescue Batman, and it's actually pretty good. It's worth paying the extra money, which now you could probably get the Game of the Year edition for anywhere between 10 to $20. And it's, But you get all the skins and all that stuff. I'm just saying, because usually, you know, the Red Hood, I know traditionally, you know, it was Joker, mm-hmm. but they did, you know, under the Red Hood comic and movie, you know, 
it was I think it was Tim Drake. Mm-hmm. When he died, and <clears throat> Roger Al Ghul took him to the Lazarus Pit, brought him back, and he adopted the Red Hood again. And he started killing off all the bad people. Mm-hmm. But he was pretty much becoming why bad, he he always said Batman should kill people, not let them live if they're bad. If yeah, they kill people. Mm-hmm. So you never know. They could, you know, they could rewrite it. <laughs> you yep. know, they don't have no problem rewriting history. <laughs> no, not a bit. There's so many different versions of the Batman history; it's unreal. But I want to go yep. ahead and thank you for being taking time out of your day and being my guest tonight on my return back to the podcast world. It's been a blast, and hope to have you on again. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. That was my my brother, my amigo, my very special guest, Michael Wing. We in the family we call him Chris, but you know, he likes to be called Michael because it sounds older. Kind of like the way I like to be called Tom instead of Tommy. But um, we're going to take another break, and then when we come back, we're going to have we're going to talk about the WWE Royal Rumble and my opinions going into that and WrestleMania and how I think it's going to play out. So we're going to take a break. This is it. Um, and speaking of wrestling, I'm going to play you a song. It's from Chris Jericho's band, Fozzie. It is one crazed anarchist.
When Fozzie first come out, which is, of course, fronted by WWE superstar Chris Jericho, I was kind of skeptical because I've always been a rock fan. And I gave it a try, and the first few albums, I think a couple, maybe three, was nothing but covers. And I was like, eh, covers is okay, but, you know, I like original. You know, if I want to listen to – if I want to listen to uh, Balls to the Wall – I'll go listen to Accept and Balls to the Wall. You know, if I want to listen to, you know, Judas Priest, I'll listen to Judas Priest. I'm I like covers, but I don't like albums full of covers. Never been a big fan. But um then, you know, I started listening to Chris Jericho's Talk is Jericho podcast. And he started playing album songs off his new their new album called Do You Want to Start a War? And I was impressed. It was a lot heavier. Uh, I, I I got it. I got all his last three albums, and I've been, you know, people work. I'm pretty sure the people I work with are tired of listening to Fozzie because anytime I have the radio, I'm usually either listening to Fozzie or I'm listening to Nickelback, which you know I've kind of got to keep it PG for work when certain people work. If not, they might get all offended, and um, which that's one thing that's always kind of befuddled me if people will say shit and fuck in their everyday life, but if they hear it in a song, they freak the hell out. I don't get it. But anyway, all right, we're about about three weeks out from the WWE Royal Rumble, and I'm not going to talk about the Raws and the Smackdowns, what happened on Raw last night. If you want to get caught up on that, you can check out on from DuskTillCon.com, Eddie Gonzalez and Heather Owens with... Uh, Ribbon on the Square. They they're a hundred percent wrestling dedicated podcast. One that I listen to quite frequently whenever I get the chance. Um, but I'm just going to talk about the scenarios that I see with the Royal Rumble. Now, they did change something on Raw last night that kind of it doesn't alter my opinion, but to me it kind of reinforces it. Um, and that is. 
they added Seth Rollins to the match with John Cena and Brock Lesnar, which I'm not a fan of, and here's why. Uh, a lot of the IWC or the internet wrestling community that think that, you know, just because they've watched wrestling for X amount of years, they know how it should go, and they attempt to use our, our terms, our insider terms, and think they know what they mean when they really don't. But that's another, that's another day for another podcast. But, um, um, crap. They added Seth Rollins to the match, and I think that was not the greatest idea because to me it's it's kind of it's too much foreshadowing. And if you, you foreshadow something too much, it you take away the the shock factor. And and that is I think that either Brock Lesnar is going to dominate John Cena, which is kind of what I'm still thinking is going to happen, or John Cena was going to beat Brock Lesnar and Seth Rollins was going to cash in. I'm still holding true that I, even though now it's a triple threat, I think Brock will win, but I think there's a very good chance of Seth Rollins cashing in money in the bank. Brock beating Cena, Seth coming in, curb stomping him, handing him the briefcase, curb, maybe curb stomping him again, one, two, three. Seth Rollins, I think either way, is going to leave the WWE World Heavyweight Champion come Royal Rumble. And a lot of people are like, you know, Brock shouldn't lose the belt, you know, you know, he's the blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, well, his contract's up at WrestleMania, so that, you know, they'd be stupid to have him going to WrestleMania as the champion, you know, with his, with him not renewing his contract. Um, I'm not saying Brock would try to pull a fast one and bounce out of WrestleMania with the belt. I'm just saying, you know, you want to make sure, you know, your champion isn't on a guy that's getting ready to leave because, you know, it kind of makes WrestleMania that much more predictable. Um, and I, I still... Even though Daniel Bryan did come back, I still think it's going to be Roman Reigns winning the winning the Rumble and going to the main event of WrestleMania. I love Daniel Bryan. I love his work, but he's had his story. I mean, people say, oh, it would be a great story, blah, blah. He's already had it. He had it last year with WrestleMania in beating the, in beating the authority. Um, why do it again? I mean, as much as, much as the – wrestling community likes to bash WWE for repeating the same old stories. Now they want them to repeat the same story that they told last year. And I, I just don't, I, I don't see why, why should they do that? It doesn't make any sense. If you look at it, um, Roman Reigns, they've been positioning him to be the new face of the company. And a lot of people hate on Roman Reigns, but I don't. And here's why, um, is his interview interviews, skills the greatest in the world no they're not they're not at all but neither was Bret Hart neither was well Daniel Bryan Daniel Bryan you know he doesn't have the greatest interview skills in the world um yes he does a lot of Superman punches and spears but the, the people react to it and that's all that matters they're like you know I've seen people post pictures of you know it'll have John Cena failed bodybuilder which he didn't really fail, but and Roman Reigns failed football player, and then it has Daniel Bryan, Seth Rollins, and somebody else. I think Dean Ambrose. Well, well, this has always been our lifelong dream. I'm like, that don't mean a crack of shit in the world. You know, if if everybody that was their lifelong dream got a massive push, then every motherfucker in the world would be in the main event of, of WrestleMania, and they're not. Um, it goes to you know who the crowd reacts to. It's like Cesaro. I love Cesaro to death, but the crowd doesn't react to him the way they should. 
I don't know. I don't. And part of that's you know, WWE, and part of that's Cesaro's personality. Um, great worker. He's a great worker, but that's where it ends. And and that's what I've seen. I mean, you can't you can't make a career you can't make a, whole, a career off being able to suplex somebody from outside of the ring inside. I mean, if that's all you got, then that's all you got. And you know, the swing he quit doing. And contrary to what most people say. It's not a Vince McMahon made him stop doing the swing because it was so popular. It's one of those, even Cesaro said it to him on Jericho's podcast. I stopped doing it just because I wanted to do something new, which he really hasn't done something new <laughs> that I've seen. <laughs> but I don't get to watch every Raw and SmackDown. So, But back to Reigns, you know, just because he doesn't have 500 million moves in his moveset, which according to the IWC seems to be – now what a wrestler should do, um, if you want to watch that type of wrestling, go watch Ring of Honor, because WWE will never be that. I mean, Vince McMahon will never, you know, it's 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 he will pick somebody like John Cena over a Seth, uh, Daniel Bryan or a Seth Rollins any day because that that's the, John John Cena is the type of wrestler that Vince likes. He's always like that, and he and he'll never change, and people are just going to have to deal with it. And moving on, I, you know, the Royal Rumble. Here's how I see the Royal Rumble shaping out. I, I, Rollins walking away the champion. Reigns walking away the Rumble winner, and then I think somewhere Dean Ambrose is going to get involved, and we're going to see Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins versus Dean Ambrose at WrestleMania for the pup belt. And and then all of you people out there that are going, well, they don't push them enough. Then you can shut the fuck up. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, Roman Reigns will win it, and then they'll all be pissed off again. But then, but people, you got to remember. Well, no, no, he don't. You don't got to remember because if, in that case, he would have he would have used money in the bank. But I still think Roman Reigns is walking out of WrestleMania with the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, and I don't see any way around that. Um, the other scenario is Brock wins, and I think if Brock wins, it'll be either Daniel Bryan or Roman Reigns winning the Rumble. Um, again, I don't think it should be Bryan just because we've, even though he did win the Rumble last year, we've seen the story of him beating the Authority, and Brock is technically a, an associate of the Authority, so it'll be the same story. I mean, it'll be the same story again and again and again, and it just to me it's just I, I want to see something else. I mean, we've we've seen Brian having seventy seventy thousand people doing yes. I mean, you see it again. What does it mean? You know, it ain't a special because we've seen it before. Um, and then, and now, I'm going to jump to a different topic that um, on a website that I frequent for my wrestling news. They they have a they have a hmm, message board on there or a comment section that you know, and I I get a crack. I I crack up at most of what the people in there post, just because it's one of those you know it's they're never happy. According to the IWC, there's never been a good match. Every if somebody loses, they're automatically buried. No matter if it was a five star competitive match or a squash match, the the person that lost is getting buried. And uh, I always wonder how do these people actually like re- wrestling? They don't. All they want to do is hate it. And I just don't see how see why they continue to watch it and this is the analogy that i've used before it's like going to a store 
buying a steak, taking that steak home, eating eat half of it, spit it out, and be like, oh, this is the nastiest steak I've ever eaten in my life. I'm going to go back and buy another one. I mean, that's kind of, you know, they, they do the whole, oh, if, if Ziggler loses, if Ryan loses, if Rollins loses, I'm done with WWE. They're done with WWE until the next Monday Night Raw comes on or until the next pay-per-view comes on. And you can't please them. And today I read an article talking about, you know, when is enough enough? It was talking about the Brock Lesnar versus John Cena match. but this, And obviously this was written before Seth Rollins was put into the match. But there was, you know, it was talking about people ordering it. Why would people order to pay rematches? And I said, well, order order a pay-per-view to watch rematches. I'm like, well, one part of it is I think it's the number of pay-per-views that they have. I think that kind of sat, oversaturates some of it. And the fact that they don't have a biggest roster, they have a they have just as big of a roster as they did back in the Attitude Era. But they have more time to fill in a, on, with Raw, and unfortunately they use it with, they pump it with, a, it's going to bring a lot of rematches. And the way I see it is, is with the IWC, it wouldn't matter anyway. There are some people, you know, complaining about how, why, why can't we just have a, a four-month feud a four a four week feud, I'm sorry, and end it with a blow off pay per view. I'm like I'm like, well here's here's where WWE can't win with you guys. Um WWE could have an awesome, an amazing four week feud that ended with one match at the pay per view and then after that match is over, you guys will complain that well, they could have done so much more with that feud if it had lasted a little longer. Okay. So now we're going to take the same guys and we're going to put them in a three-month feud where they split the first two pay-per-views and the third one is the blow-off. And then you will say, well, that, that, that feud lasted too long. It feels like it carries on forever. And I'm just like, you can't win. I mean, you can't win. So summarizing it up, we got, I think it's going to be, I've presented two scenarios. But I still think it's going to be Rollins leaves Rumble champ. Reigns wins the wins the Rumble. Ambrose gets involved in there somehow. I could even see I can even see it be a Reigns eliminates Ambrose in the Rumble at the very end, and Rambo's, Ambrose cha- challenges him, which is a story we've seen before with other people, <coughs> Rey Mysterio, Randy Orton, and it ends in but this one ends in a tie, and then it becomes a three way, another three way for the belt. Like we you know, we didn't have one last year, and I think Reigns will leave WrestleMania as champion. Now we're going to take one more break, and then I'm going to answer some phone calls. So while the music's playing, go ahead and call in, and I will start taking calls in the order that they appear. The number is three four seven two one five eight seven nine five. I repeat, the number is three four seven. Two one five eight seven nine five. This is Edge of of a Revolution, which is a, which I use as my in, part of my intro on the show. Here's Edge of a Revolution by Nickelback. Mm-hmm. 
All right, that was Edge of a Revolution by Nickelback. I'm going to give everybody one last chance to call in, ask me anything. My wrestling career, movies, talk movies, talk TV shows, anything. Sons of Anarchy, Batman, anything we've discussed tonight. Call in, ask me some questions. I'm going to play I'm going to play the song I played earlier in the night. It's a Screwdriver by Jackal. I'm going to play it one more time. And uh, let's hope we can fill up the switchboard a little bit with some calls. And if not, we'll go ahead and take it on to the house.
One more taste of one crazed anarchist by Fozzie. And we're waiting on some phone calls. This is the last chance. I am now taking calls. 347-215-8795. Wrestling movies. Ask me anything. I hope you guys have all enjoyed the return edition of Off the Rails Radio. We're going to be having more guests in the future. Um this coming Friday night, I'm having Bobby Blade back on, another Off the Rails Radio alumni. We're going to talk about the best and the worst of the 1990s with the WWF. We're going to cover everything from Mantar to Stone Cold Steve Austin, from the rise of the warrior to the thankfully not so much of Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. <laughs> it's going to be a fun night. We're, it's going to be a 90 minutes of, of total buffoonery with me and Lone Wolf Bobby Blade. Uh, and we're waiting on phone calls one more time. 347-215-8795. Is there anyone out there? Come on, come up. We got a call and they hung up. Well, that's a bummer. <laughs> 
and we got The Walking Dead coming up soon. I'm going to try to finagle a episode for The Walking Dead, probably bring on a good buddy of mine if he's able, Michael Wilson, to talk it. He he uh, has many cool projects that he's into. He also, the the the, the logo for off the rails radio that features the train driving off with my Facebook at the bottom. He created that for me. He's a cool guy. I'm, I'm going to try to have him on soon uh, to discuss the walking dead, which I have not caught up on. The last I've seen was, I want to say season three. The last thing I remember was when, um, Daryl's brother, whose name I can't remember, was killed by the governor. And I have not seen anything in season four or five. So I'm kind of behind on that. I think maybe I should catch up on it. And we're going to play more track. I'm sorry. I'm stumbling here, ladies and gentlemen. I'm trying to look at different things and everything and monitor the chat room which has had a total of five people in it but nobody talking so i'm gonna play edge of a revolution one more time and then we're gonna see if we can take one phone call and then we're gonna call it a night Yeah. 
was Nickelback with Edge of a Revolution. And I've got a caller, ladies and gentlemen. 859 967. You are on the air. Hello, Tom. How are you? Hey, what's up, Drew? Or Andrew, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. Just uh, watching the UK ball game right now. Ah, uh, UK's on. I didn't even know, man. To be honest with you, I've been I've been doing this podcast thing for about the last hour and fifty minutes. Had uh, talked a little UFC, a little WWE, a little little uh, Batman and Savannah Archie, man. Uh, that song that was playing because I seen you popped up into my into my switchboard during the middle of the last song. Does that song sound familiar? Yeah, it does. That was on the night of the uh, your most favorite wrestler in the world, Biggest Night. Oh, okay. That was the night Dolph. There. <laughs> that was the night Dolph Ziggler beat the Authority. I don't. That's crazy. That from last night. That was just. Uh, yeah, I didn't get to. The, I didn't wa- get to watch it live, but I watched it this morning, and yeah, I even thought he was like, "Man, I bet Andrew is bummed." Well, I know it's all just a storyline and all that stuff, mm-hmm. and, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, can we get into a little talk about a little UWF? Sure. What do you want to talk about, Bob? Well, there's one guy that I like to mention always, and that name is uh. Scott Diamond. Oh, no, Scott Diamond. What do you want to say to him, man? Oh, I just want to say next time I see him that uh, he better be ready to see him next time when he sees him at UWF. Oh, Lord. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, uh, Speaking of UWF, I haven't been really keeping up with what's going on because it's kind of one of those deals when I'm not wrestling, I kind of don't keep up with it. Yeah. But uh, have they announced when they're coming back yet? Uh, when I was at the last time when I was at the show, uh, they when the after the grudge match between Felony and Scott Diamond. Mhm. Um, at the end, Bobby Bobby Blaze said that uh, at they're 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 moving into a different building or something. I heard. Mm, yeah, that, I talked to Bobby a little bit a couple nights afterwards because I've seen you post about it on Facebook, and I've seen a couple others, but nobody really said anything. And I was just wondering if maybe you had heard, man, so we can get the word out. Uh, yeah, uh, they're moving to some different building. That's what Bobby said when we were getting ready to leave. Mm. Well, I hope I, I hope they uh, come in come back soon. Because I'm, yeah, I'm, cause I'm going to try to get back into wrestling probably around March, and that's one of the places I want to go. Yeah, I really enjoy going to the shows and everything. Mm-hmm. They've they've always, in my opinion, they've always had a good show. And I've always enjoyed wrestling there. Um, had many a good matches. Um, Zodiac. Right. Um, who else? Had a couple good ones with Jared Sloan, which I think you've been there oh, yeah. pretty much. You've been coming there pretty much since the beginning. Am I am I am I correct? Yeah, I believe so. I think uh, they started 2012 or 13 or something. I think. Yeah, because they started in 2010. Yeah. When when first started, because I was on the very first show 
and I was there pretty much every show between uh, between 2010 to late 2012, and then yeah. I took my time off because I was just, you know, you know, you you said you know where they deserve a break every now and then. At the end of that deal, I right. was just I was so beat up and ready to get out of there and take some time off and you know come back fresh and energized. And of course, as soon as I do that, I tear up my knee. But <laughs> you really you really held up well at the Rolling Rumble with that at the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I was. Uh, I that was kind of a litmus test to see how my knee would hold up, and yeah, which I'd said it on 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 my podcast uh, a week or so before the show. I had said, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be in this battle royal, and we're gonna and if my knee holds up good, then I'll be back, and if my knee doesn't hold up, then yeah. I'll have to make a decision. And luckily, I didn't have to make that decision. And I'm, no. I'm looking to get back into re- into wrestling. My doctors have released me for March, um, which I don't have to do physical therapy. But they told me that after physical therapy that. I had to wait. They told me to wait at least four to five months, even after that, to get back in to get back into wrestling. So that was October. So I'm going to take an extra month just to be safe and probably come back in March. Oh, that's that's good. So here's my question to you: Which who would you rather see me come back as, the mass superstar or the disaster piece Thomas Wayne? Who did you enjoy more? Hmm. Hold on. Sorry. It's all right. Take um, your time, bud. I really wanted to see is the Mass Superstar, really. Mass Superstar. I haven't uh-huh. really seen that much lately and stuff. Yeah, well, there was more Mass Superstar at UWF than there ever was Thomas Wayne. Because um, I got unmasked by Stevie Phillips at the beginning of 2012. So I really only had about... About maybe nine months as, as as myself and the rest of it was with a mask, which I had done the re- mask gimmick wrestling character since yeah. 2004. And it was quite scary to take it off, but right, it went well, but and, you, know, uh, you never know. I may, I may debut a whole new character. I have one more thing to say before okay. I get off here. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I just want to. I know Scott Diamond won't like this, but <laughs> Valley Fox means it's a really poor means really important to me. Every time when I go to the UWF shows, I she means really a lot to me and everything. Mhm. And I support her. She supports me and everything else. I'm I'm sure she is grateful, and is happy to do it for you. And I know All I right. Un- and I know I get under uh, Scott Diamond's skin a lot when I wear my pink dollar Ziggler shirt. <laughs> That's a pretty cool shirt. I've seen it. All oh, right, buddy. Well, I, all right, buddy. Well, I appreciate you calling in, man. It's good. You know, it wouldn't be a it wouldn't I'll be an episode of Off the Rails Radio if we didn't hear from you, man. You gonna I'll be you gonna going listen to when um, Bobby comes on? Yeah, because. Um, we're going to have a 90-minute episode this Friday with Bobby, but we're not going to really be talking about his wrestling career. We're going to be talking about WWF from the early 90s to the Attitude Era. 
But we're probably going oh, to be yeah. taking calls anyway, and you can still ask him anything you want, man. It doesn't have to be, you know, okay. what we, we talked about. Okay. All right, buddy. Well, right. I appreciate it. All right, me too. Have a good one, man, and God bless. All right, you too. All right, that was my buddy Andrew Browning, man. He 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 loves off the rails radio. He always listens in. And uh, I'm grateful. He's a, he's a big wrestling fan and one of the ones that I really enjoy wrestling in front of in Georgetown. Um, like I said, back in March, I'm looking to come back. So keep, you hold, lock your championships up because I'm coming for all of them. I'm going to try to wrestle anywhere I can, whether it be Lawrenceburg for WCCW, whether it be down in, down in Somerset for KZW, Georgetown for UWF, if they're still in Georgetown when they come back. Or, you know, I might even try to invade Ohio, Indiana, maybe West Virginia. You never know. You'll just have to, to stay tuned to, to this radio show to see where I'm going to be at. And I want to thank my brother, Michael Wing, for joining me tonight. And I want to thank Andrew Browning for calling in. And don't forget to check out this coming Friday, 8 o'clock, 90 minutes with Bobby Blade as we discuss the best and the worst of the WWF. Ladies and gentlemen. It's been fun. Have a good night. This has been Disaster Peace. Theater with Thomas Wing. Celebrate the summer at Cold Stone Creamery with our new confetti cupcake ice cream. It's the ice cream with the party mixed right in. Made with edible rainbow glitter and frosting, it'll make your summer extra sweet. Try it in our party like a cupcake creation. Confetti cupcake ice cream mixed with Kit Kat, rainbow sprinkles, yellow cake, and cake batter frosting. Taste the new confetti cupcake ice cream. Available for a limited time only at Cold Stone Creamery. Making fresh batches of ice cream in every store. You've reached the high fashion hotline. Hi, I need an update. Haircut? No, my jeans. They're outdated. Run to Old Navy for tons of new jean styles on sale right now. Old Navy? Yes. Try the new Rockstar 24-7. Now with more stretch and comfort than ever, you can feel and look fabulous. Plus, all jeans for the whole family are on sale up to 50% off, starting at $15 for adults and from $10 for kids. Up to 50% off all jeans? Yep. Say hi to new denim at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. It's a date. New jeans at Old Navy. High fashion. Old Navy. Valid 810 to 823. Excludes clearance.